so many things. You've been gone since the holiday. The lady of the house has been gone. I'm so glad. I'm glad she's back being the lady of my life. Do, 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 do. Anyway, um, got a few things we want to talk about this morning. Uh, let's look at the let's look at the menu. Uh, what we got? We want to talk about Soul, the movie. I I, uh, I definitely teased that up on my Instagram story yesterday. We definitely want to talk about the new white savior movie, which is Soul, which I know a lot of Negroes is very happy about because it had black characters in it. But we'll get to y'all in a second. I want to talk about the resurgence and the remembrance of black dads because I think black dads are popping right now. Me and my black father, we got it popping right now. And then. Other things we got on this, I can't read what's on this, we know, what to say? Lessons from the holidays. Lessons from the holidays. Okay. Uj- hey, uh, what's happening? <laughs> what's happening? What's the good news? Today is cooperative economics, and then the lady of the house has finally returned upon me. Everybody, make sure you say good morning to the lady of the house. That includes you still, Fob. <laughs> good morning. People can't see me bucking at them because I'm behind the thing. So let me see before I beat y'all up. It ain't no game around here. You see me, I look good in the light, baby. Oh, man, I'm shining. Uh, what you want to talk about first, Lady of the House? Uh, black Dads. You talk about Black Dads? Yeah. So did you see the, uh, oh, man, I'm supposed to send over some videos. See, I'm always loafing. <laughs> you see that video of um, Dwayne Wade and his son playing basketball? No. There's a video out right now. It's uh, Dwayne Wade, who you know is a retired basketball player, and Zaire, his son. They're playing basketball against each other, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever played a sport against your Have you ever played a sport against your father? Whether it be a video game, whether it be some golf, whether it be tic-tac-toe, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Does your father talk some shit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine your Hall of Fame NBA father uh, playing you one-on-one at basketball. <laughs> talking the grandest and the finest of shits. Did you see... Um, but who won? That's oh, the, the question. D-Way won. Oh. D-Way won. Damn. But like, oh, you rooting for Zaire. Yeah. He's not yet. Yeah. He's not ready yet. He's not ready yet. He's not ready yet. If, when you're playing your father and he's talking shit, would you rather him take it easy on you so you can get the win or do you want to beat him outright? Yeah, but, yeah, beat him outright. But I thought maybe he was just going to beat him. It wasn't that story. It's not that time. Oh, he's not, not, he's that not time. there yet. It wasn't yet. there yet. It wasn't there yet. Okay. Did you see... Um, Speaking of black dads, it's uh, it's, it's Tiger Woods is black, right? Who? Tiger Woods. He black? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> nah, he is. Half uh, black. <laughs> you know, the, you know the 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 mixed people are mad at me since the episode. Of, <laughs> if, are you black? If you mixed, but you know, you are. Did you see that video of him with his son, like him and his son? Yeah. Yeah, playing golf. Yeah, the exact same mannerisms, everything, yeah, yeah. like down at the head scratch. Exactly, that's All what right. I'm saying. Black fathers, yeah. it's popping again. What I say? Black fathers. Black fathers, we popping again. Not we, because I am not no father. <laughs> <laughs> I am not nobody daddy. Not well. I'm not nobody father. Let me put it that way. <laughs> um, good morning, y'all. Good morning. What's up, Danny? What's up, Steel? Uh, Jocelyn, I hope you're still there. You might not be, but it's okay. Um, so yeah, I just want I wanted to take a moment. Uh, in time to maybe even reflect upon this stereotype that's been going around for the last, I don't know, seems like maybe like 20, 30 years about the, the disappearance of the black father, the importance of the black father. And is that really still a, is that really still a thing? Is that something we can decide on the anecdotal level or do we need some stats? 
I don't feel like it was necessarily a stereotype because, you know, a lot of black fathers were being taken away, uh-huh. whether that's through the prison system or, you know, violence mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. else. But I've, mm, do you think that it's better than it used to be, like 20, 30 years ago? Do I think the, well, there's, that's why I'm, I'm asking you now. I wonder if the case of the black dad can be solved on like this level, like this uh, qualitative level where we're going to talk this qualities of the black dad. Um, uh, I would be interested. I've always been interested in the stat to see if uh, absent fatherhood has been unproportionately. Um, well, if absent fatherhood is disproportionately bigger uh, in the black race than it is in any other race. Yeah. Uh, because the the narrative has always been around, you know, the black family ain't good because of the single black mother or whatever, which I think is disrespectful in two cases. Like, how you disrespect the whole black family in one statement? <laughs> <laughs> the black family's no good because of the single black mother, which means the mom is not going to doing a good job raising the kid and the father not there, which means the mom not doing a good job raising the kid. Which I, means the kids end up. Which means the kids up. fucked up. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> it's always interesting, interesting perspective. Good morning. Good morning. Um, good morning. Uh, always an interesting perspective as it, as it pertains to the black father. So I, I, I'm wondering if that stereotype, this is not the top of this. This is my uh, yeah. uh I'm wondering if the stereotypes is a stereotype, if it is a trope, if it's something that has disappeared. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, not to devalue my own demographics worth, but I'm wondering, like, in the case of the single, the single parent raised child versus the dual parent raised child is it really a difference or is our is our definition of a nuclear family limiting that's a good question but i feel like someone raised in a single parent household can't really actually a person raised in a two-parent household can't really answer that either because they don't have the other perspective right. it, yeah it would have to be a direct like it has to be i think it would have to be yeah. a direct like comparison yeah. statistically or maybe even like find a way to survey both yeah. and figure out what the what the difference is, but if we looked at the outcome of individuals' lives, I wonder is there a difference between a successful life in a two-parent household and a successful life in a, of a one-parent household? Um, is that really even is that really even something that we can quantify? Is that even something that is 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 there a difference, well, or did we just make that shit up? I mean, maybe you could quantify it in things like um, formal education, or like you know, or profession i don't i don't know would it be quantifiable in that way or even like i don't know if you looked at to see to see if there's a difference between raised by a single parent and their wages versus raised by a two-parent household and their wages yeah how how the children turn out basically uh, Danny says, uh, "Hottest girl." That's not what Danny said. Hottest girl said, "Hola." Um, Danny said, "If you were raised by a single parent and your sick other was raised by a two-parent household, you can definitely compare." And good morning. Interesting. Are you in such a position, uh, Danny? Are you able to tell us some of the differences between? Well, I, okay. In this household, one of us has siblings they grew up with, and one of us doesn't have siblings they grew up with, right? And I can tell there's definitely a difference between you and I as it comes to like space and relationship development. It's a difference between you having basically 
you basically having a, a, a partner in them since you was what three four, two since you was two, versus mm-hmm. me being getting caught with all my Ninja Turtles and somebody thought I was crazy because mm-hmm. I was making up four different voices plus a different voice for Splinter. Okay, honey's girl, what's up, Jordan? Good morning. Uh, honey's girl says. I think it's a difference if the relationship between your parents is healthier. Mm. That's true. So we'd have to look at a healthy relationship between a single parent and their child and a healthy relationship between a two-parent household and their child, right? And then unhealthy relationships between between the two and see what the drastic difference may be. Do you get, I mean, if you get, I mean, if you got a bad single parent, is that better or worse than having two bad parents? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Would you rather have double the pleasure, double the fun? I stick with my one. You say, or you just want to stick with your your one uh your one shitty parent? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine going to your mother and she tell you a shitty response, and then going to your father and he give you a worse response. <laughs> I Jesus, hate it. I hated it. I hate slavery. Good morning, Jordan. Uh. So this, I mean, it's an interesting thought. So, like, as we can, as we, as the week goes on, I definitely think we want to, we want to continue the discussion to see if, like, this, this prescription of the black dad is even like, is it even still applicable? Mm. Are we still having these conversations? Remember, a few, like, a couple months ago, we we got rid of uh, crabs in a barrel. I told my father that. Let me tell you something about my father. Hold on. Yeah. I told you this already, but yeah. I'll tell you again. I'm sitting. It's Christmas Day. Me and my father are sitting on his chair together. I noticed that last last time I came home, my nephew and my brother-in-law, they sit in the same chair. Mm-hmm. Like, in the same chair, butt to butt. Never yeah. seen that before. Does your, does your brother sit butt to butt next to your father? No. Does your, does your brother sit butt to butt next to your mother? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that. So, I, on this Christmas morning, I decided to sit... Cheek to cheek uh, next to Kenneth Brown, okay? And so we're talking. I'm saying all this right here just to indicate that a lot of time has passed. We're talking Christmas morning. We go over to my sister's house about 2 o'clock, chilling, kicking it, whatever. During the Uno game, which is about 7 o'clock at night, this is about 12 hours from our original sit-down on Christmas morning, my father is, is humming, right? He's humming. And I'm like, hmm, that sounds familiar. But this, no. No, my father don't got Instagram. He don't got Apple Podcasts. So how could he be? How could he be humming a tune that you know that me and a lady made up one morning while we were smoking a blunt? How, how could it be? So we playing, we playing, we playing Uno. Uh, the Uno game is is real cute. It's all of us. All of us sit around the table at the Uno. And I want you to know, for those of you who are tracking the super spreaders, you dirty bitches, that we was sitting in the house with mask on. Masked up. Sure yeah. enough, masked up playing Uno with each other. All the kids. When I say all the kids, I mean uh, my three-year-old niece was playing Uno with us. You know, she was just throwing down the cards and identifying the colors. But, you know, she was still sitting in somebody's lap. And she was playing uh, her grandfather's, my father's hand, right? Same thing with my, other, with my other niece. Now, of course, they get tired of playing with the grown folks about after 20 minutes, basically. They go play with their new uh, Barbie dream house. Now, I've never seen a Barbie dream house in person. Oh, for real? Wow, what yeah, a product. right? Yeah. <laughs> wow, what a product. What up, Carl? So grand. <laughs> I've never seen a bar yet. It's so beautiful. I saw one with the, um, a little like wheelchair elevator. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh wow! They it, was, had that it, one? Was, it was it was it was a beautiful product. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, was it's a great. beautiful product. It's great. Um, and the barber that came with it in this particular this particular situation was a black girl. It was nice. Keisha. <laughs> it was Ke- that, no, that's her name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> her name on the box is Keisha, and I was like, okay, cool. Keyroy. <laughs> Key anyway, um, so we're, we're playing spades, and my father is. I'm not in the game. My father is whooping my sister's ass. Him and his him and his lady friend are just whooping their ass. And in the middle of the game, just one time, my father goes, Hawaii Bay will be mo yeah. Nobody at the table reacts, they're kinda of looking at him like, What you talking about? Uh. <laughs> what you talking about? And I'm sitting there with my mouth open like <laughs> Earlier in the day we were talking. I thought it was interesting that he brought up a point that I made during a show, not during one of the reels, not something that we, not something during the IGTVs, not something that you could get one of these quick bites off of on social media. It's like one of the points I made on the show. He said something to that degree, and I was like, huh, that sounds familiar. I wonder if he listens to the show. He's saying to Diddy that night when we came home from my sister's house, we got to the room, it was like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. I'm asking, like, so, like, you listen to the show? And he's like, oh, yeah. I see you post it on, because you know sometimes your, your Instagram stories post onto your Facebook stories nowadays. Because he's like, oh yeah, I saw it. I saw you mention it one time. And I just I went to, to the website, checked it out. I saw it. I couldn't uh, subscribe to it on my podcast situation. Checked you out, listened to it. And I listened to it every, every, uh, every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm waiting for you to drop the next episode. And I'm <laughs> like, what? Here I am, thinking I'm hiding my smoking from you. Not <laughs> only do you know I'm smoking... And smoking publicly, you listening, fam? We love fatherly support. <laughs> that shit blew my mind. What? This nigga gonna hear this? Yeah. Uh, he gonna hear me call him this nigga? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he reminded me. He reminded me of this time. Um, okay. Uh, uh, he reminded me of this time when I was like, um, I had to be like four and I was playing peewee football. Okay. Uh, and he said, uh, I was playing, I was playing football and it was like, just so happened that he had to be, you know, we living in Tennessee at the time. He had to be up in Tennessee and he said, you know what? Let me, let me go surprise my son and take him for a few days. You know what I mean? So he came up to the peewee football game and I remember this moment. He popped me on the back of the head. I turned around and my father was standing there. Well. It's the same feeling I got when he sang that song. I love my father, but it's not like he was there every day. Whether that was his fault or not, I don't know. Circumstance, you know. Sometimes a lady, you father just get, get, get pregnant, you know? It just happens like that. I accept my origin story. Um, and so as we're continuing the conversations on, like, as we're starting this conversation on, like, the black dad in the family, and I think about black fathers that I know currently, and I even think about my personal growing up uh, and, and my and my well to do now like you know did it really fuck me up that much if there is one thing though before we move on to the next topic if there is one thing that I did miss from not having a black father in my life daily is that I am at my big age of get ready to turn 32 I am just now discovering what it looks like to love on a daily basis you know what I mean like mm-hmm. a, a moment-to-moment basis on a 
on a between taking the trash out and sitting back on the couch basis. What does love look like there? Uh, I asked him because you know, lady in the house, she lost she lost a very close uh, family member two weeks ago. Yeah, it was like two weeks to the day before Christmas. Yep. Yeah, um, she lost a very close family member two weeks ago uh, before Christmas, and um, and uh, uh, we were having this conversation. I didn't have this conversation with the Baker Baker people nights, but I was very surprised at my ability to comfort. Yeah, <laughs> comfort the lady of the house through like significant, significant family trauma, right? I know I've been in I've been in a lot of relationships before. I say yeah. a lot like this, like like they were cheap. Like no, I've been in I've been in some great relationships before, and that's never happened to me. I've never been on I've never been a significant other of someone who's lost a significant family member. I've, you know, second, third cousins. Their mama was sad. They had to go to the funeral, but they barely knew the person, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But to to be in a situation where somebody lost somebody that was like really close to them, yeah, and then we had to have the conversations about death. It took it out of this this abstract ethereal process we got to go through into like this real situation. Yeah. And my second thought, my first thought was like, "Wow, I didn't know I could do this." My second thought was, "Man, this is not the worst one." Yeah. Because it's gonna get worse. Um, both of us got both our parents still alive with with uh, with other uncles we fuck with mm-hmm. and grandparents we grandparents, fuck with. Grandparents, yeah. Uh, so. Ooh. Ooh, my right. grandma. Ooh. <laughs> right. So I was very surprised at my ability uh, uh, to do such. Uh, and that surprise, I think, is a direct result because I believe that I don't know what love looks like on a daily, on a, on a moment-to-moment basis. But obviously, maybe I do. Maybe Renell prepared me well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, interesting thoughts, though. Interest- you got any thoughts about a black father? About, about, <laughs> you got interesting <laughs> thoughts about black fathers before we... Black fathers. Black fathers. Malika back black father? Yeah, he is. <laughs> Malika black father like shit. <laughs> Yo, dudes is hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Hope you bought the hope you bought that pencil sharpener player. <laughs> Malik really tried to pull a fast one on the sun and give him the you know the old trick of like when your pencil died you can like you know you can use your uh, you can use your black. Your black uh, color pencil. Yeah. But Deuce was like, nah. <laughs> nah, I need my pencil sharpener, Pepper. <laughs> you better get that pencil sharpener, player. Good morning, Akilah. Good morning. Uh, not see, got to buy more pencils now. <laughs> see, you can't come short. Um, yeah, fucking love Deuce. What else we got on the menu this morning? Uh-oh, is it time? Two more things we need, or a couple more things we need to talk about. The Lady of the House Returns, I'm so glad we, that happened. We could talk about that. We could talk about uh, Ujama, which we might be able to close the episode on that. Um, okay. Uh, and then Soul and the White Savior Complex. And Lessons from the Holidays, too. Uh, and Lessons from the Holidays. Which one go through next? Uh, we could, I guess, Lady of the House Returns. <laughs> and then Lessons from the Holidays. What did you learn from the holidays? Now that you've returned, what did you learn? Other than that, Honey Baked Ham was a little heavy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was a little underwhelmed. Um, I mean, I already knew the importance of family, but being around family during, you know, a tough time, traumatic experience, especially during the holidays, I definitely felt the importance of togetherness, which I guess ties into some of the themes of Kwanzaa, you know? Very true. Very true. 
and I also, it, it made me really realize my mortality in a sense. Because, you know, my uncle was only 47. Yeah. So, and I felt like he had so much more life to live. But he, he passed and like he was still working, you know. And it just made me think like we have to. I feel like we have to focus on more than work, you know. I mean, of course he. Oh, talk to me now, cause you well, know yeah. I'm a, uh, you know I'm a, I'm a workaholic. A, yes, I'm a workaholic man. I know. But like, of course he put a lot of importance into his family. Like he did anything for us and was always there for us. But he also worked very hard to make sure that he could provide for his family. And I don't know if that kind of. I don't know if that was like detrimental to his relationships. Hmm. I'm not sure, but you you kind of had this conversation too. I did. We were uh, talking about lessons from the holiday. That's actually a very good point that you just make about like about like time. Yeah. Time is very. You asked me it was a couple weeks ago. You asked me about like the quantification of, of, of 2020, and I said I had a hard time like. I had a hard time understanding what, understanding the value of time, yeah. in a sense. Like I can't, time to me just seems a little abstract at the moment, until, until you die. Yeah. And then you realize time is not abstract. Right. Time is very real. It's fleeting. Yeah. It's fleeting, and and what you spend your time on is indicative of, or your focus is indicative of what you spend your time on. Right. So, I'm going through a situation right now, people, where uh, it looks like I'm being, it looks like I'm, I am, it looks like the universe is telling me that decision has to be made. The lady of the house even said through her, uh, through some of her, Jim and I watching stuff that like, <laughs> some of the coincidences that are going on right now, and I don't know, it's weird, you gotta pull hard, I don't know, mm-hmm. it's strange, um, some of the some of the coincidences and some of the things going on right now are all leading to a decision in my life. So I've been carrying around this decision maybe for three months now, knowing that. And actually, the crazy thing is, the decision day is today. Is it? Today is December twenty ninth, right? Challenge day. Today is the today is today is challenge day. <laughs> <laughs> and before I fight, the power of the Black Panther must be stripped <laughs> away. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so I've been carrying around this decision for a little while, and the decision is basically uh, to choose a life of formal education, or not formal education, to choose a life of formal employment versus the continued life of um, of the entrepreneurial survival brand, beautiful struggle product that I have built over the last four years. Okay. And then my, so like, the hustler in my head says, oh, why can't you just do both? And I said it to my father. I was like, oh, I could do both. And he said, he, he quite plain asked me, he was like, your full-time job is going to be 40 hours, right? And I was like, at least. At least it's going to be 40 hours. He's yeah. like, and knowing you, you're probably going to want to work probably a third more than that. So you're looking at probably 60 hours a week. Easy yeah. for you. Easy. Because I know my son. Because I do the same thing. He said he do the same thing. Uh, and then he said, how much how much time are you putting in on the entrepreneurial thing a week? And I said, well, I did a calculation one time. It's 53, 53 hours a week. So he said, okay. So you looking at in a you looking at in a perfect scenario looking at like 113 hours a week. That's what you're looking at, son. Well, 103 hours a week, right? 
Right. He said to me, son, I've been married twice, and I was working 65 hours a week. And I think that has a direct correlation to it. I was working 65 hours a week, and I've been I've been divorced twice. Didn't even Quincy Jones say that? Mm-hmm. Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones said that. Quincy Jones said he worked himself out of marriages. Yeah. So if I know these lessons going in beforehand, and the lady of the house is right here, what I look like working... <laughs> 200 hours a week. 200 hours a week. 115 hours a week. <laughs> is that fair? No. It's not even fair to yourself. It's not even fair to myself. That's a lot of motherfucking time. That's a lot of motherfucking yeah. time. So like that's one of the one of the lessons I learned from the holidays is like is to the lady of the house's point, is this is this thought about like time is very real. Yeah. Time is very quantifiable. It's very it's very there. What's up, Martrice? Big dog. What's up? Lexi. Yeah. Good morning. Welcome back to Who Waking Baby Will You Be Mo? Yeah. We can we can already get to the uh we can already get to the subject of the morning here in a second. Don't worry, y'all. Mm-hmm. I know the people are excited. They seen the Instagram story. They <laughs> said, White Savior film. How be mo? We getting there, but we're talking about lessons from the holiday first. You can get this content. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll give it like let's say let's say if you uh uh if you um what would Malik say? Um mm. you working to run from something, nigga. Oh interesting. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm running from poverty, my nigga. I'm running fast. Are you, I was going to say, are you running from yourself? Yes, my poor self. <laughs> uh, yes, I know I know exactly why I overwork. My overworking is a direct correlation to, to poverty. I tell you one thing, you be an entrepreneur for 20 minutes. Be an entrepreneur for 20 minutes and find out how, and find out how quickly your hunger is connected to your work ethic. And don't get me wrong, I could be very traumatized. I could be triggered. I could be overdoing it. I definitely get it. But let me tell you something. I feel safe. I feel safe. Josh, you know what it is? Be an entrepreneur for 45 minutes and see how quickly you get hungry and realize the money just ain't coming because you're there. Good morning. The money not coming because you clocked in. Nah, champ. It ain't like that. You feel me? You know the life? (laughs) Come on in it. And you got something, man, look. And you got a son? Shit, boy. I I said said the other day, if the lady in the house was pregnant and we had a kid tomorrow, I have a job so goddamn fast. (laughs) What? (laughs) So damn fast? <laughs> well, I have a job before the show is over, and I be doing the show at the same time. Hell, because <laughs> yeah, I'm a hustler, nigga. We we have guarantees. There are no guarantees. I mm, feel like in this life. That that brings up a good point too. I saw this video on Instagram. It was a black father, and he was talking about how hard he worked. Did you see that video? Uh-huh. Um, I think he was on one of those like young Von Zant shows mm-hmm. or whatever. He was talking about how hard he worked for his family and everything, but the kids and the wife both resented him because he worked so hard and wasn't there. Like, yeah, they had everything they needed, but they actually wanted him and like his time. And so he was trying to, he was trying to, I guess, make sense of that or like struggle with knowing that he provided for his family, but wasn't oh, there the way he man. needed him. I mean, 
That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Because if you're creating yeah. a life, if you're creating the life that you have to sacrifice yourself from, was it even worth it? Exactly. Because the wife said she wasn't in love with him anymore. And it's like, yeah, you got to sit with that. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Yeah. I see why. I actually, after, after like recognizing divorce, I see why divorce men's suicide rate is so high. I totally get it. Speaking of speaking of husbands, here comes Drew. What's up, baby? Uh, huh? Drew, we talking about right now. We talking about work. We talking about work life balance right now. We talking about the decision I got to make today. Actually, to either go hundred hours a week, or somehow combine, or somehow sacrifice my entrepreneurial career, or somehow sacrifice this potential opportunity to come in this way, so that my work life balance is not appropriate. And I feel like work life balance is like this little punk ass. It's like a little punk ass way of saying it, but like I feel like it's real. There were some good points that were made. What? Uh, go a little bit. Uh, we got some comments. What we got? That the love uh, languages. Jossie says death is the only guarantee. As I'm talking about a guaranteed pay. True. Uh right, Well, these nine to five motherfuckers look like they got motherfucking guarantees. I tell you that. <laughs> I mean, you got to guarantee me some shit for me to ask you to go on vacation. I tell you that right now. <laughs> You're going to guarantee me some shit. Anyway, Alexa says. Uh, uh, love languages. He was showing love in a way that he thought they deserved love. I mean, you talking about my man who, whose family resented him for the work they, they lived on. Uh, Jossie said, or Malik says, it's a very tough and slippery slope. I get that. Um, that kind of like that's kind of like one of the points from Soul, though, right? We'll get there in a second. Every rich man I know is depressed to an extent. God damn, that's Jossie. Also true. For real. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. What's up, Sean? Good morning. Welcome back to Who mm. Waking Bay with your BMO. Yeah. Um, no, Drew, we're not talking offline. We're talking <laughs> right here. What? Off? This is Waking Bay with BMO. Transparent conversation. If you want to join in, come on. Not talking your ass offline when I'm talking about it right now. Not having the same conversation twice. That's why I don't talk the rest of the day. I get all my talking done right now. Um, you don't get that missed time back. That's what Malik said. Malik said what? You don't get that missed time back. That's true. Oh, man. Uh, you know, it's crazy. Actually, Malik, I felt a little guilty when we had Urbane on on uh, Halloween night. And I knew I, had to, I knew I had to take you away from Deuce on Halloween night. Oh, yeah. Knowing that Deuce is a character <laughs> himself. I felt bad, son. I felt bad. I felt bad. And I felt, I even even when I asked you, I know you wouldn't admit it, even when I asked you, I saw that look in your face like, shit, I got to make one of them decisions. Damn. And sure enough, we did what we had to do, right? Uh, one of my homies is, uh, Jossie says, one of my homies is Tom Walton of the Walmart family. Oh, and shit. he is so confused as to his existence, and he's worth $10 billion. Wow. Mm. Mm. Took, this is what Tom Walton should do. Tell them to enter poverty. Tell them to have all that shit stripped away from them. Access, resources, capital, safety. Have all that shit stripped away from you. you find yourself there. That just made me think of a point. You'll find yourself right there. You're going to find out if you're a big old bitch. You're going to find out if you're a survivor. You're going to find out if you're lazy. You're going to find out if you're resourceful. You're going to find out who you are. But I feel like you can't find. I feel like you truly can't find find out who you are if you are surrounded in abundance, and maybe that's just my poor ass. I ain't never. I ain't never heard a poor person say I, ain't, I don't know myself. 
Right. That's I was just thinking. What's that? Um, somebody talked to homeless people in I think it was Santa Monica mm-hmm. or like you know L.A. whatever, and they were saying that they see so many people who have houseless. I mean, housed people like people who have homes yeah. that are unhappy with the things they have, but yet the homeless people have everything they need and they feel like they're people of the world in a sense. Jeff Bezos' wife, ex-wife, is going crazy on these donations. Right. Why? Why is she, she is worth, what, like $5 billion or something like that? Why is she trying to take away from these resources? Take away why from is she? Resources? Why is she taking away from her personal resources and giving it to other people? She doesn't need it. She don't need it. And that's not who she is. That too. Mm. You said just $5 billion? She wanted like $5.2 billion. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, more yeah. than she'll ever spend in her lifetime. Yeah, that's why she's giving all these HBCUs. Right. I feel like she got one of the maps with the HBCUs on it, and every month she get a check, she's just like, all right, bet. She's making her way to, to uh, 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 what's HBCU starts with a T? Not Tuskegee. Not TSU. Tennessee. Texas Southern? No. Oh, not T. Sorry, that's my, um, that's my dyslexia fucking up. Fisk. That's what I was thinking of. Fisk. Um, Safia says, plenty of poor people are lost and don't know themselves. I'd like to meet them. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> um, Even Beyonce and Kim Kardashian, too. What's that? Uh, giving away, like, $1,000 to pay people's rent. I think Beyonce gave away 500000 so far. Mm. That's crazy. That's a good amount of money. Um... Abundance is inside. There's no way around it. You're right, Jesse. Right. You're right, baby. You're right. Um, and to the point, as I as I back up and I'm going to make this segue. Uh, we were talking about work life balance, right? Um, man, fuck that segue. Let's talk about soul. <laughs> I was about to do a whole backflip to try to get to this segue, but I don't really care. It's not that kind of show. <laughs> you know the correlation. You know what's going on. You get it. If you was listening, you could put it together. Let's talk about soul. Soul. Soul is a movie that was put out by uh, Disney Pixar, right? Yeah. It is Pixar's first black majority cast. It's actually the first time Pixar has featured black characters. If you go back and watch your favorite Pixar movies, ain't no black folks in the backgrounds. Barely dots in black uh, black folks black folks in the backgrounds. The we got we got is Princess and the Frog. And that's Disney. That's not that's I'm Disney. talking about I'm thinking about oh, Pixar, right? Pixar, right. Um Pixar does not have a history of having diversity, inclusion and or equity within their within their race. But because the movies are so good, because they're animated, we think about them as we think about them as neutral characters, right? Right. Which is fine. Which is fine. Until until you go to your niece's house and you recognize that your nieces are drawing brown girls in their coloring books. I didn't draw black guys in my coloring book. Why? Because yeah. there weren't a lot of black figures for me to look around to recognize maybe black figures that belonged in coloring books. When I got a Beauty and the Beast coloring book, I, I colored it as Belle and the Beast. Right. Right? <laughs> These little girls have... Uh, uh, Beauty and the Beast coloring book and Belle is Black. Wow. 
and Bella's different kind of blacks. There's they call it my sister calls it. There's a daddy black who's a dark skinned dude like me. Mm. They call him dark brown. <laughs> and then there's like light brown who's like my sister. And there's like light light brown who's like my other sister D who's like high yellow. Okay. So in this coloring book, they got all the spectrums of blackness going nice. on. These are the same little girls I posted the other day who go to sleep in their stars, right? Yeah. These little girls black as fuck. Mm -hmm. All right? They don't even call themselves black, but they black as fuck. <laughs> the color of your animation and the and who represents animation, it seems like it doesn't matter until you recognize that maybe subconsciously, maybe in your maybe in your unconscious mind, you are accepting neutral as white. Right. Band-Aids make sense as a neutral color because neutral equals white. When in fact, in actuality, neutral is not white. Right. Neutral is neutral. Right? Um, so, Soul, we're watching Soul. Mm -hmm. Soul is the first black project by Pixar. And, and I want to... Because I said this before on the show, when you're critiquing black art, I think it's important for you to be specific. I think it's important for you to be fair within your criticism, right? We're just not about to send a read to people because they're ugly, right? Your face is misformed, but you're not just ugly, <laughs> right? Um, uh, 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 uh. I thought Soul did two things. I thought Soul did a great job of acknowledging black culture, black music, jazz, modern jazz of that, not just like old jazz that you're supposed to love with, like jazz that you that you can fall in, fall in love with today. I thought it did a I thought it did a good job in my perspective of a, of understanding a potential theory on the afterlife, how humans are created uh, before they're born, where they go to after they die. I thought that was an interesting perspective. I love the voice work of Jamie Foxx. I love the voice work of Felicia Rashad, who's having a hell of a year. She oh, had three. Yeah. She had three movies this year. Three. What Remember the, the one joint on Prime? Black Box. Yeah. The Black Box. Yeah. She had Jingle Jangle. Oh yeah, she was. In she Jingle was in Jingle Jangle, Jangle and she's the and she's <laughs> nice. the Black Mama Soul. So shout out to thank God, man. Yeah. Thank God. We said this before that like if you were born within a certain era, I would say like. I say 19, if you were born between 1987 and 1996, there is a high chance that your mother speaks like Felicia Rashad from The Cosby Show. Like yeah. that is the, that is the, that is the socio mother script. Uh, that is the language that some black moms speak is their language, the perspective of Felicia Rashad, uh, Mrs. Huxable from The Cosby Show, right? So it's good to see that in the demise of The Cosby Show, uh, because of its because of its terrible terrible patriarch, we have seen the resurgence of the wonderful, the beautiful, the kind, the always generous, the motherly uh, Felicia Rashad. So I thought she did good. I thought Angela Bassett, who was the voice of the uh, of the saxophone player, I thought she was good. Mm -hmm. I love I love the bar. Mm. <laughs> What's up? You didn't love the barber. <laughs> so here's where we get to the problem first 10 minutes of the movie oh my god wonderful everything oh 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 oh. i'm not going to spoil it because this happens in the movie like the the premise of the movie is is this black dude who finally gets his shot before he gets his shot he dies 
Yeah. Right? And then he goes into the afterlife. Some wild shit happens. Blase, blase. So I'm not going to... If if you don't want to be spoiled... Man, fuck that movie, dog. If you want... I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a spoil that movie. I don't give a shit. Fuck the movie. Uh, uh, it's just a myth, right? So I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit if you ain't seen it now. We're going to talk about it now. And then if you want to compare notes to what I said before, go check out the podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts. Tuesday through Thursday at 10 o'clock p.m. Oh, wait and make we be more. Yeah. There's one line in the movie that kind of fucks the whole movie up. After Jimmy Fox's character dies, goes into heaven, he has to, you know, he somehow gets into the situation where he goes into the great before instead of the, the, the great afterlife. And he's paired up to mentor a, a soul that's going to go into a body down on earth. In this movie, the theory is before you go down on earth, you are given personality traits, you're given a spark, you are given like all these things that kind of make you who you are before you are giving your body on earth, right? Yeah. Cool. And these are nebulous creatures. Nebulous creatures. And little, they're just little blue dots. Hit my exposure for me because it's about to get bright. And I might want to save this clip right here. Um, um, so they're little, neb- they're little nebulous creatures, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There's a line in the movie that I can't unhear. There's a line when Jamie Foxx is talking to the little blue dot that he has to mentor. And he says to the little blue dot, he says, but why do you sound like a middle-aged white woman? Mm-hmm. And the dot says, I could sound like anything. Give some different examples of what the dot could sound like. But instead of choosing that dot, instead of choosing no sounds or the sounds that the other dot's chosen, this dot has chosen the voice of a middle-aged white woman to be annoying. Right. Now it was a throwaway line. I could definitely tell. I could tell it was a throwaway line. What's up, Jeremy? It was a throwaway line. Uh, I could definitely tell it was a throwaway line. I think it was supposed to be. I think it was supposed to be comedy. What's up, Rock? It's my little brother right there. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it was a throwaway line. I could definitely tell it was supposed to be a joke or whatever. But to me, it was a little bit more. Uh, nobody had mentioned race beforehand. Right. And so the first mention of race was actually the inclusion of a white voice. And I know, and when this happened, I said to myself, I said, Bryant Brown, Brian William <laughs> Brown, don't don't think it, don't go there, don't go there. You're doing too much, son. Don't go there. Even when I had the thought, I was like, white voice, don't do it, <laughs> don't do it. Enjoy this black moment. Enjoy these black times. It's going to be fine. Right? It's going to be fine. <laughs> Jamie Foxx is going to lead this white voice to liberation. It's not going to turn into what you think it's going to turn into. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Something happens. Somehow, these individuals end up back on Earth. But instead of Jamie Foxx's voice being back into his black body, he's transformed into this cat. Which I, I bet y'all didn't know. If you didn't see the movie, I bet you didn't know it was a cat in the movie. I bet you didn't know it was a cat in the movie. Did you know it was a cat in the movie before you saw the movie? No. Just, just put the, I'll put a pin in that. Uh, and then the white nebulous voice, what is the white nebulous voice going to? Him. The black body. <laughs> Don't do it, BMO. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about <laughs> it. The movie is just fine. It's a nebulous creature. It's a pre-soul. It's an ignorant, ignorant perspective on how the earth works. Don't think about it too hard. Don't think about it too hard. How? 
Pixar is the time of Black Lives Matter, they wouldn't just they wouldn't just disrespect black culture by just including a white voice, would they? Barbershop scene. <laughs> this white voice in this black body has led to this black barbershop, and this white voice in this black body navigates the black barbershop in success better than the black man. Has everyone just hanging on every word? <laughs> right. Everybody is just loving what this white lady, what this white voice is saying uh, through this black body. Don't think about it, Bimo. Don't think about it, Bimo. It's not that deep. It's not that deep, right? Okay, just let it go. Beautiful. I love the barbershop scene because, like, look at it's like it's a it's a good depiction of a barbershop. You go in, you get cut. You got the, the barber in the front, the jokes in the front. You know what I'm saying? Hit the exposure for me. The jokes and you know what I'm saying? The barber in the front. All those things are very authentic. Like the dude in the front usually does suck. <laughs> right, or you can you can get your appointment in. You know what I'm saying? Somebody come in with an emergency. Sometimes you gotta wait. Sometimes the community the commutative uh, response is just better. But you know this white lady leaves the situation. It's okay though. <laughs> it's okay though. Don't think about it too hard, Bimo. Don't think about it too hard. It's an animated film. It's a white voice in a black body. It's a nebulous voice. Keep thinking about it from perspective. They wouldn't disrespect black relationships with the, with this, would they? Black mother scene. <laughs> Somehow, this white voice is able to navigate this situation, although in partnership with her disembodied black voice, which I find interesting is a disembodied black voice, uh, this white voice is able to inspire and guide through a conversation that heals a relationship between a black mother and, his, and her black son. Now I got attitude. <laughs> okay. That was less strong. Now I got attitude. That's strike three. Strike one is the acknowledgement that this this nebulous thing mm -hmm. has chosen the voice of a white woman on purpose. Right. To be what? Annoying. To be annoying. Strike one. Strike two, this nebulous white voice has navigated a very complicated and culturally a rich environment such as the black barbershop to thus quote unquote win the black barbershop. Right. Strike three, this white voice then navigates and empowers a relationship changing conversation between a black mom and a black son. Now I got attitude. <laughs> That's three strikes. Trump asked me, does it matter that the other characters uh, heard a black voice and the audience heard a white voice? Yeah, it matters because who, who heard what? The characters in the story ain't real. Who real? I'm real. <laughs> oh, you can see it. You can see it bubbling up. Yeah. That was strike three. That was strike three. Now, now, now at this point in the movie, oh, I'm looking for it at this point. Now I'm looking for it. And sure enough, y'all explain to me how this man, after his, after, after achieving his dream for a night. Two hours of playing the piano where he can live a consistent life of greatness decides to give up his life? Decides to give up his life for a nebulous white voice? Right. What the fuck is that? <laughs> what in the name of white acceptance is that? <laughs> what? No. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Alexis asked me, does white voice equal white thought? 
although the answer to that question is could be yes or no, and I would love to argue that until the cow comes home. I think it's cool. Uh, oh, you're right. You're right. Um, it's still a white voice. And you got to remember, the people who created the story had every piece of control over how the story could have been told. Every piece of control. Exactly. The power dynamic could have been switched up at any second. The writing could have been changed. That line in the movie is completely unnecessary. But now I can't help but think that the white folks put this in the movie to remind you who the fuck this is? So... So then, then leads the very complicated question. What am I supposed to do with soul? I can't, you can call, you think I sound crazy? I think I sound crazy. I think I sound crazy. Not gonna front. Talked to Malik yesterday. Uh, that was the other question I'm about to ask here in a second, Malik. I talked to Malik yesterday, and he's like, no, bro, you're not supposed to think about it that way. And I said, I can't help what I think, son. <laughs> I, can't, I can't help what I think, man. <laughs> it's there. The thought is there. And now it won't go away. Malik didn't ask me, you think that this black cast just let that shit slide? Did the black cast literally make the movie, or did they just play parts? True. Who were the writers? It wasn't them. Oh, actually, oh, you know what? The co-director of the film is black. Okay. The co-director of the film is also director of uh, One Night in Miami. Mm, okay. So it's a black dude. But they said this is how he, this is how he got co-directorship. He was writing uh, the jazz parts and the black parts of the movie so well that they elevated his status to co-director. What? Oh. Basically, my man worked himself from the plantation to the house. God damn. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> you heard what I said, Boom? Did you read the behind the scenes? Boom, Boom, no movies. You heard what I said? They said my man's was writing the black parts of the movie so well mm-hmm. that they elevated his status to co-directorship. This nigga wasn't no director from the outset. That's not inclusion. That's not equity. That's just diversity. And it's the most beautiful piece of diversity you've seen all year. But I got to remind you. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. I've, given, I've given it everything that I got. And my final conclusion is, soul is trash. <laughs> I'm sorry. Beautiful movie. Wonderful movie. Ain't showing to my kids, though. Damn. Mm-mm. That's a goddamn shame. So close. So close. So close. But missing two elements in true liberation of black voices. Equity and inclusion. Malik's not happy about it because little Malik liked it. I understand. <laughs> I understand. Those are just my thoughts, though. What are your thoughts? Wake and bake with be more nice. <laughs> What's the time right now? We have fifty-three minutes. Yeah, y'all got seven minutes. Hey, judge me, but I watched it twice. 
I think two things could be. I think two things can be true. I think I could be infend, offended and impressed at the same time. Yeah. Finding Forrester is one of my favorite movies. That's a white savior movie. If you want to get really deep about it, remember the Titans is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> but it's a movie told through the voice of a little white girl, not through the coach of the Titans. Mm. You heard what I said? Mm-hmm. This trope is old. Like I like I'm I'm not I'm no longer surprised or offended to the core of the fact that like white savior movie happens but like I recognize them I see them for what they are I'm good do I have an issue uh, with them turning him, him into a cat yeah <laughs> <laughs> Malik says niggas always gotta find some shit to be offended about <laughs> you know who, you know who says that right now what uh, there is an executive at Disney right now who's probably like a minority or even, depending on who the co-director is, I'm not going to put that in. But there's an executive director right now who's read this opinion and is like, niggas always got to find some shit to be, to be offended about. We made a we whole black a ass. We gave right. you a little ass movie right. with your little jazz. Dang. If you want to really be offended, look up what the original plot for this movie was. Had nothing mm. to do with jazz. It's about a white scientist. What? Yep. But it didn't work. It didn't connect authentically like that because not many people want to root for a scientist. So who they choose? They choose. A, they chose a musician. Wow. And what's the best form of music they can think of? Jazz. And so if it's jazz, then it has to be black. So we bring the black people in to do some things in the movie. Matter of fact, get that one dude who wrote that black movie not too long ago. Yeah, get him to write the black parts. Oh, this nigger's good. We'll put him down as co-director that way. Uh oh. We'll put him down as co-director that way. When the trouble comes, we'll say the co-director was black. <laughs> and when they start to complain, niggas always got to, something to complain about. God damn. Oh, what truck say? Truck said, um, truck said, then after a while, he realized his purpose was to train and make the next crop of professional musicians, and he achieved that with many musicians playing professionally around the world. Um, if we want to talk about like the the moral of the movie, that white part was dope. Yeah. I think it was it was it was it was a cool part in the movie to say to prove to this guy that his purpose in life was a single action, yeah. but rather than a continuous action to like inspire and to spark. Like his his spark was sparking. Yeah. Just like ours. Yeah. Um, oh, drunk, what else you gotta say? You just said read further up. Hold on, hold on. Oh, uh uh Truck said, Man, I love it and I definitely see pieces of me in it. Look, man, look man, yeah, no, I'm tearing down a movie right now on a very racial level, but like you gotta remember our heroes are our heroes. It was a great fucking film. Don't get me wrong. Great fucking film, but I just couldn't get it out of my head. Great fucking film. Mm. <laughs> so close, and the thing that makes it the thing that makes it worse for me is that it was so close to being perfect that it wasn't one line short. 
I want you know what I want to do. I want to make my own copy and just take the line out. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna make my own copy and I'm gonna take the whole line out. Because if you could take that, you know what? Empress just said. I said the same thing though. I just said like like you said. Two things can absolutely be true. The movie is absolutely trash and absolutely brilliant at the same time. I feel like the fact that the line was so unnecessary makes it intentional. Because it was so unnecessary to the story and the plot. And that's how you know. Yeah. So I guess my final conclusion is that Soul is a white savior film. It's a beautiful film. Um, but you know, that's about it. Oh, the line that bothered me, uh, I guess you i guess you missed it, and I'm, I'm going to post it a little later, but the scene particularly that bothered me that I thought was completely unnecessary was when Jamie Foxx's character asked the little blob and says, why do you sound like a white woman? Why do you sound like a middle-aged white woman? And the little blob says, um, a little blob says, I could sound like this, and she changes her voice. I could sound like this, and she changes her voice again. Or she could sound like the other little blobs, uh, which basically sound like just like random ass little she kids. She said she could sound like him. Right. She could even say she said she could even sound like him, but she chose the voice of a a middle aged white woman to be annoying. And to me, when you put that line in there, now everything that she does is from the voice of an intentional annoying middle aged white woman. Right. Right. Um. So like, you don't have to change the voice. You really don't have to change the voice. Oh. Wow. I ran out of time. It says 59, though. I know, but we started um, streaming earlier. Oh, true. So I guess this is going to be a web exclusive. Web exclusive. Web exclusive. 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 <laughs> can I go, or can I do the same? She can still do the exclusive. Very true. That's so strange. Anyway, um, we'll get back on. See what the people saying. I saw my name right. Maybe not. Wait. Did I do right? I did. Oh. Oh. Yeah, this could not access the specified channel or stream key. Yeah, because I fucked up. I gotta change the joint. I think we might be back. I think. Let's see what we got. No, we're not back yet. <laughs> All right. Well, the people is going to get you tomorrow. Oh, 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 oh. We back live. We back, baby. We want to finish this up real fast. I don't mean to hold y'all too long. Um, but just to just to hit a quick reset on it. What were you even talking about? Soul, but 
you were actually about to wrap it up, actually. I said actually twice. Huh. Um, yeah. Oh, someone was asking what line bothered you. Oh, so yeah, that particular line definitely bothered me. But, you know, the particular line about her intentionally being, about the little nebulous pre-soul intentionally being uh, an annoying white woman's voice, it's weird. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. Um, and to pretend like it's not weird is, you know, to ignore your own senses, I think, at a certain point. Or to just, like, be like, you know what? It's not that weird anymore. I'm not going to let it go. Unfortunately, I'm not one that just can't, like, can't let it go. I heard it, and I just couldn't unhear it. It just kept saying, middle-aged white woman. And that's all I kept saying. <laughs> Every time she heard, and you know, I, you know, I got a thing against middle-aged white women. You know, it might be my bias. So just to hear that over and hear that voice and have her be winning in these situations to be teaching these lessons uh and then for her to for her for her validation to be the ticket to his second chance at life right <laughs> so those are my thoughts yeah those are my thoughts it's you know it's still a beautiful movie it's, it's a great lesson to it once you look past those situations like the the thought of like uh there's one part in the movie where they compare like being in the zone to being uh being a lost soul which like this is true like if you're too far into the zone that goes back into the point we were saying a second ago that was gonna be a sec that was gonna be a segue that i was making like if you are if you are so focused on the thing yeah that could be good for that thing but also it could be detrimental to like your survival and right. your life and your well-being yeah um so, you know, we think about that today on the, on Challenge D. <laughs> I love Challenge Day. Challenge. It is Challenge D. Uh, you got any burning questions for the roach that already went out? Uh, <laughs> uh, hmm. So, oh, you pushed it all together. Hmm? Um, I'm just thinking about soul and as it relates to, I guess, working towards mm -hmm. a goal. Mm -hmm. What do you... What do you think the, I guess the the right. What do you think the right thing to do is, especially if it's something you're passionate about. Well, looks left, looks right. Check to see who's on the situation right now. I mean, well, the boss thing is to be the boss of both. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the boss thing would be have the employer work for me. True. While also still doing my own thing. To make just the employer a wing of my company. That would be the boss move. I don't know if most people think like that, but like that's what I'm thinking. Like how do I become how do I become a partner in one situation and have my new partner work on my old projects? Those are my thoughts. Mm. And I can just work thirty hours a week. You feel me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Buy my own goddamn health health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't mean to really bring y'all back on here just for a little bit of a conversation. But do want you to know that I appreciate you for watching. Thank y'all, uh, three people who joined back in for the conversation to finish up. We'll be throwing some clips on the way you could really support the algorithm on Instagram has really changed. Uh, the way that you can really support Wake Up Back with BMO is that you just share these clips. You know, as much as I love that you like them, that you watch them, and, but when you share them and you put them in your stories and you send them to people's DMs, like, the engagement goes through the roof. So I'd appreciate it if you did that. Um, and that's it. Make sure y'all say good morning to the lady in the house while I beat y'all up. Nah. <laughs> good morning.
Tuesday through Thursday, 8 a.m. sharp. Spark you a bow, blunt, or even a carta. Boom, let's make a movie. Wait, may we be more? Yeah. Oh, Ujama. We didn't talk about yeah. Ujama. We got a little time. We can talk about it. So, Ujama is what? Collective economics? Cooperative economics. Cooperative economics. Yeah. What, what, what are we supposed to talk about? <laughs> uh, wait, where's your book? Hmm? Where's your Kwanzaa book? We don't got no activities in there. Though. It tells you about it. It just, it just told you what there, I just told you. There is activities. There's activities? Yeah. Where's my Kwanzaa book? <laughs> <laughs> it's Kwanzaa time. It's Kwanzaa time, baby. It's Kwanzaa time, baby. Do you want to get your Kwanzaa on? on? Yeah. Sorry. Hey, <laughs> um, let's read through some. What, what, what activities are you saying? So, it says what to do. Uh, what to do and when to do it. All right. So today is the fourth day of Kwanzaa, right? Ujamaa. Yeah. Today is the fourth day of uh, Kwanzaa. Habarigani, everybody. What's the good news? Uh, means cooperative economics. Um, I think on the fourth day we're supposed to we're supposed to present uh, uh, ears of corn, which represents children and all the hopes and challenges attached to them. Okay. Um, what else we got here? Um, what are the symbols? Are those? For oh, the, the Ujamaa. Ooh, the Ujamaa symbol is beautiful though. It's like a. It's like a. It's like two parentheses put close together. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Nice. You feel me? Yeah, it's two little parentheses put together. Ujamaa means cooperative economics to build and maintain our own store, shops, and other businesses and profit from them together. So let's talk about some... Oh, today we got... Today's shirt is Feed the Wolves, SBO. Make sure y'all go check that out. They got hoodies and shit too. SBO, don't look at my booty now, okay? I'm not that thick. Definitely check that out. What other store? What are some of your black? What are some of your black store? What are some of your favorite black stores of all time? Black stores. Hmm. What are yours? Some of my favorite black stores of all time. You know what the first one that came to my mind is? No bullshit. What? Fishing hood. Yeah. <laughs> the oh my first... god. <laughs> yes. The first, the first black, the first favorite black store that came to mind just now was Fish in the Hood. Um, what's another favorite black store? There used to be this pancake house in Jackson, Tennessee. It was called Gigi's. Oh my goodness. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Um, I also enjoy black stores. Nubian Humane is dope. Ooh. What's up? Uh, Blue Nile. Oh, Blue Nile is so cool. Oh, yeah. Blue Nile is such a cool store. Like, ooh, Blue yeah. Nile is where you go get your shea butters and some of your, uh, your, uh, what are they called? Your aromics. Your aromics. Uh, <laughs> and, your, and your jewels and your gems. You used to be a nigga that sold your little weed, too, but you know, that's back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> that's back in the day. Uh, the, oh, man, it's closed now, but the, uh, the, um, the dashiki shop that was above the barbershop on Georgia Ave. Ooh, what a time. 
They want to see the what illustrations. A time. It's hard to see because it's a glare. You know what oh, I mean? And we going to have to refocus the camera. Oh, yeah. yeah no. See what I'm saying? It's all white. Uh, um, what else? What else? Oh, I love a good weed man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love me a good weed man. Oh, man. <laughs> Got me a good weed man. Who else? What else we talking about? Uh, our own store, shops, and businesses. What else is a dope? What else is a dope black business? Got a little beauty shop. Got a little barber shop. Of course. What are some of like? What are some of the avant-garde black businesses like? Oh, the lady who frames. You see the you see the thing in the background. Oh the yeah. The pictures in the background is a black framer. She's dope. Um, she's real lit. Black framer right here in Hyattsville. What's up, JB? JB is a black business. Nice. Right. Nice. Getting his huh? Business. I'm a black. You know what I'm saying, but you know they already. You see the logo. You see, wait. Where's the logo? Oh. Hey. <laughs> hey. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Why is it not on the... Oh, no. <laughs> I know you lying. Oh, it's on the... It's on the... Uh, move it up a little bit. Uh, do that for me. I can't see. Uh-uh. I know what to say. What's up, peas? What's up, man? What we talking about right now? We talking about we celebrating... Our, uh, we're celebrating Ujama Habarigani, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's Kwanzaa time. Oh, it should be showing up. What's up? Oh. Oh. Talk about the logo. You got to transition oh. again. I know. What? That's stupid. <laughs> yeah, do the thing. It's stupid. Um, talking about something. What are your, I'd love to hear from the Wake and Bake, but be more nice. What are some of your all time favorite black businesses? Ooh. Is that, uh, uh, JB, is that, is Lindsay's black owned in Tallahassee? It seems like it is. Ooh, what a good chicken slot. Oh, man. Are there many black chains? Are like, are there like national black chains other than Rick Ross's Wingstop? Does he own all of them? No, he don't own all oh. of them. Um. Oh. Mm, I was what's gonna up? say Miss Mabel's, but. Miss <laughs> Mabel's is not black owned. I'm trying to think. What's is that? No. Oh. Um. Oh, I love, I love, 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 love uh, the Congress, uh, the Congress Science Art and Cultural Center. I love them over there. Uh, the mm. Washington Informer is a black-owned business. It's a newspaper mm-hmm. starting that podcast network coming very soon. Hey. Y'all see that? Hey, 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 Um, what else? Oh, uh, 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 Nami, of course, one of my favorite black businesses of all time. Uh. What's up? Shea butter. I got my I got my morning body butter shea butter. Mm-hmm. I'm running out too. I'm about to re up on my supplies. Looking forward to it. All right. Um, what else? Anything else? What else? What else is in the book? Let's see. Should we read? You want to read from some of the passage? Oh, okay. What's Wait, up? I know that was that specific year, like events. Right. Right. Well, some of the events things. Let's see what some of these events are. Let's see if they can talk about some of the subjects. One of the conversations that was happening on Ujama was, well, never mind. <laughs> they really have like what they was gonna talk about. It says like there's the fourth, the Kwanzaa Children Celebration, uh, the Urban League Professional Network uh, by Black Kwanzaa Expo. That's dope, uh, and the the lighting ceremony. But it didn't have like actual like somebody's going to come here and talk about. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Interesting. There are some interesting. There's a couple of theses and there's a couple of forms in here. Let's see if we can talk about one real fast. On 
there's one on African liberation in the postmodern age of pseudoscience, alternative facts, control technology, and fake news. Where do we go from here? That's the that's the subject. Mm. There's back to Africa. Uh, that's the subject. <laughs> <laughs> Grassroots development. Um, African spirituality. Uh, saving the black family. Black mm. mental health. Uh, an analysis of the development of black classical cultural music, jazz, by way of a tribute to Con John Con Train, <laughs> John Coltrane. Jesus Christ, be interesting subjects there. Yeah, I'm looking in my I'm looking in my Kwanzaa book, y'all. We're reading in my Kwanzaa book because you know it's the only time we talk about Kwanzaa. I still think there needs to be a summer Kwans. I think it needs to be a summer quan, just to re up on some of the lessons that's going on. While I think you're we in your trying hot to make girl. that Juneteenth though. Huh? We trying to make Juneteenth the summer quans, make it a week. Should we? Yeah. Why not? Sure. 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 Um. Is there Dick Gregory in the front? Of course it's Dick Gregory. <laughs> of course it's Dick Gregory. Uh, who also disbelieves in the um. In the crabs in the barrel, uh, mythology as well. Mm. All right, y'all, I'm not going to hold you. We're going to run out of things to talk about. I will see y'all tomorrow, Wednesday, right here, 8 ish a.m. You know what I mean? On Awake and Bake, will you be mo? Yeah.